So, um, so yeah, so uh, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Uh, today I am here with Dr. Suzanne Trimbath. Um, yeah, Dr. Trimbath, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, great. Great to be able to quiz you on, on this stuff again, because uh, the DTC are, yeah, back on the menu, basically. <laughs> And um, we've had, yeah, the, the stock split dividend, which has caused a lot of chaos and sort of prompted me uh, to pose this question on Twitter because I remembered in the prospectus from last year, there was discussion about what would happen if GameStop possibly decided they wanted to withdraw their shares. And based on what you have sent me, it seems like that may be trickier than suggested. Um, so... Uh, wh where do you think we should begin with this? Because you, you're more familiar with this than me, obviously. Um, well, let's go back to the post that you made. Does anyone remember when GameStop stated that if DTCC failed to fulfill their obligations, they would remove their stock from the DTCC, right? Yeah. So, so you and I think a few other people pointed us to this um, uh, June 9, 2021 prospectus filing from GME. I yeah. think that's where you got it and others did. First of all, this is mostly boilerplate. Like there's not, there's nothing here that I don't think you would find in, you know, 50% of all prospectus have this. In fact, there was a study done of, you know, 20 years worth of um, IPO prospectuses. And it basically found that 47% of them had the exact same language. Uh, like the, like if you run it through, I don't know if you, I used to teach and it was turn it in. So I would, put the student papers through a program called Turn It In Online, and it would come back and say, this all matches, you know, stuff that's already published. Percent of this matches everything. And then there's, even when it gets to, you know, risk analysis, that 35% of those are all the same. So a lot of what's here is a bit uh, boilerplate. Um, it says that, um, first of all, None of us are officers and directors or any trustee, paying agent, or security registrar for an individual series of securities who have any responsibility or liability for any aspect of the records relating to or payments made on account of beneficial ownership and securities that are in this, you know, DTCs, the global security. So when they issue, nobody issues paper certificates anymore. It's all done with one global security. So there's this one piece of paper, mostly because of some state law that says, uh, you know, it sits in some, they used to sit on shelves, not probably sits on a folder somewhere. And it says this piece of paper states that CD and co owns, you know, everything that our transfer agent registrar says CD and co owns and that number may go up or down, you know, throughout the course of time. So, so right off the bat, the, uh, you know, and it's not just GameStop, it's any issuer, is going to say that they're not responsible for what DTC does once they give them shares for a split or a dividend or a splividend, if they give them cash, whatever it is, whatever distribution they're making to their shareholders, once they give it to DTC, who is on their records as the owner, they're done, right? Uh, so, so that's, I think, the first thing that has to be understood. When your shares are in street name, you are a beneficial owner. You're not a direct, directly registered owner. You're a beneficial owner. Someone is holding those shares for your benefit. Then your, well, I've said this before, your beef is with the broker or the bank or whoever it is that's holding your shares, not with the company itself. Once you're directly registered, yeah, your beef's with the company. They go down, you go down with them. Whereas if you're a beneficial owner and your broker goes down, you know, you may or may not go down with them. That was the whole Bernie Madoff thing. So the other piece was that um, then you get into this business about the depository, right? What does the depository do? Uh, uh, if at any time are unwilling or unable to continue as a depository, meaning if they go out of business, put that aside. That next sentence says, in addition, we may at any time in our sole discretion subject any limitations described, blah, 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 determine not to have any securities of such series represented by one or more global securities in the event that we decide to, uh, have, to have them represented by individual uh, representations for each individual holder. So, so that's the piece I think that you and others are point, pointing at that says, you know, if the DTC doesn't get this whole payment thing right, 
we, GameStop in this case, and the issuer, we're just going to walk, we can walk away from them. That's really not what that says. Again, it's boilerplate. It's in all of them. But it pretty much says that, that they can do that, that they're preserving the right to do that. Okay, that's one thing, right? Yeah. Um, but that, just as, just as an aside, that whole prospectus also says that the under, underwriters may engage in overallotment. They can sell more securities than are being offered. Uh, so if we really want to hold them to the letter of the prospectus, we also have to allow that they have permitted this um, bell to deliver, this overselling of the shares. So, so that so that takes us through at least that part of did they or did they not say that they want to get out? Yeah, I mean they have a line there. If DTC is no longer DTC or DTC no longer wants to hold those shares, yeah, they can they can do that. They can try to do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they can try. So then, so then this is this is where um, there's another bit in the prospectus actually that I want to get to, and it's more about what they say happens if they manage to get out of the DTC, and then after 90 days, I believe they become their own. I I don't know what the exact term is, but yeah, so that they become what the DTC would have been for them. They become their own depository. That's it, the depository. Um, I have it. I have it open somewhere. If you want to, you know, if you want to pull through there, we certainly can. Um, yeah, um, I mean, maybe it'd be I'm useful. I'm happy to look at that. Uh, can I? How is? That's their prospectus. Oh, here it is. I have that. I have it in the PDF. I think. Uh, operational arrangements now. So the prospectus. That was the. And I can't bring it up right now. If you find the wording and you want to read it, we can. Yeah, do it I'm now. just getting it up right this second, actually, because then we can. Yeah, just go through it. I'm so sure that I had it here. I I checked and double checked all of the um, files I had open for you, and I thought that was there, but. Yes, Josh. Um, oh, I know how I'll find it. I'll search for 90 because it's 90 days. Haha. <laughs> what it says, isn't it? Here it is. It oh, says, uh, I'll pull it up for people so that we can, I can share it. And then that'll be much easier. Okay, so for people who can't see this and i'm just going to read you it out. Share, you can share screen with them you mean ah uh, yeah that's a good idea i'll find 90 days right i didn't find it okay so here it is this is it and distribution so it says, I'll read it out for people. Um, if a depository for a series of securities is at any time unwilling, unable, or ineligible to continue as depository, and a successor depository is not appointed by us within 90 days, we will issue individual securities of such series in exchange for the global securities representing such series of securities. Yeah, this uh, yeah. finance language ruins me. But essentially what I think that means is that if there is not a depository appointed within 90 days, if they are to leave their, their current depository, which I assume is the DTC, then mm -hmm. they will issue the securities themselves, I think is is the general gist of that. But you could, yeah, I could be wrong. Your successor, oh, sorry, I just missed it. Oh, I sorry. 90, I was looking for the 90 day thing. There right? we go. Yeah, uh, so a successor is not appointed with it. Okay, we will issue individual securities. So if the DTC is unwilling, unable, ineligible to continue as a depository, yeah. not just they messed up my splividend. No. Right? And there's no successor, then they can issue individual securities to each of the um, shareholders or some other um, um, or some other um, yeah, yeah. Send me the link to that when you get a chance. But anyway, they can issue the securities to, to. They can use some other depository. But that. So right now they have this global security at registered to CD and Co. And they can register it to someone else yeah. and continue life as it was. Is that right? So yeah. I don't know what 
seeing there essentially of? i think what what people have been pointing at is this this idea that gamestop would issue the securities themselves and people are envisioning that this is gamestop pulling themselves from the dtc and uh, then hypothetically putting their own shares on some version of an nft based marketplace like with loop ring mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah so so yeah so so theoretically that could mean that so it it Theoretically, it could mean that. Now, here's the thing. So they would have to recall all of their common stock. Let's say let's say a company has common stock out there, and that's what they want to do. They want to just get the heck away from everybody. First of all, they've got to delist because a request. So DTC eligibility is required for exchange listing. So I'll have to go OTC, Pink Sheet, or, you know, this new NFT, whatever, uh, blockchain thing. Yeah. Um, so, so the first thing they have to do is delist from NASDAQ. And then as soon as they delist from NASDAQ, they're no longer DTC eligible. So DTC takes its list of um, uh, beneficial holders. So they're holding for... Merrill Lynch, I'm saying Merrill Lynch, I pick on them all the time. Bank of America Securities, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs. They're holding shares of companies for them. The mm-hmm. first thing they would do is they would send instructions to, in the case of GameStop, it's computer share, the transfer agent, and say, please issue the following uh, share certificates or create the following share accounts for, you know, so many shares to Bank of America Securities, so many shares to, you know, et cetera. And then from there, Goldman Sachs then goes to their records and they say, okay, I need, they send instructions in and they say, of my 2 million shares, please, you know, because they're not issuing certificates anymore, right? It's all electronic account. You know, please uh, set up uh, electronic accounts for Jane Doe, Harry Smith, right? You know, Josh Hamilton, Suzanne Trimbeth in these numbers of shares. Mm -hmm. And that just goes down, right? So, so... That's the first thing they have to do is to be delisted because DTC eligibility is required for being listed. To be listed, that request can only come from a DTC member. An issuer cannot go in and say, please let me be eligible. So some member has to ask for it. DRS is required for listings, though it doesn't have to be DTC's DRS, right? So it could be someone else's. As long as you have this ability to no longer send certificates around. Um, if you have a way for, you know, for you know, Goldman to move shares to, you know, Merrill and then out to Jane Doe, that all has to be able to be done electronically. Um, but then the other thing is that the SEC has a rule that says that um, the, the issuer of a registered security may not refuse to issue shares to a nominee, including CV and Co. So there's a lot of hoops to jump through to just get to get out. And what happened basically was, because I, I know you've looked at the book, that chapter 18 talks about the unshareholders. Mm-hmm. So coming into that period where CMKM was like, we just got to get the heck out of here, right? And they had their own problems. Okay, granted, they had their own sort of corporate problems. But they wanted out. They just wanted out. And so at that point, DTC, all the exchanges, the Securities and Exchange Commission, all of the brokers started circling the wagons. And these rules came out in 2003, 2004, 2005, saying basically, if you want to be, if you want to play in our, you know, uh, if you want to play in our game, you have to be, you have to be in here, right? So once you step out of that, you would have to have this entirely separate uh, infrastructure setup. The you know DTC is in fact did some um, prototyping. You know they did some uh, you know some beta testing to see if it was possible to have a blockchain the blockchain uh, to trade securities in a blockchain fashion and have them register and that sort of thing. But remember these securities that um, that these companies have issued and made eligible for. Uh, listing on exchanges and made eligible for, you know, uh, working with transfer agents, working with DTC, working with all these brokers. 
those securities are kind of locked up. I don't see a way, and I don't think that even DTC is DTCC, the two Cs, uh, even though they're looking into this uh, DeFi and um, non-fungible tokens and uh, blockchain trading, I don't think they see a way to take the, the, the securities that already exist and move them over there. And what they're seeing basically is that it's not impossible if you build your whole new system. Hmm. But when you build it, see, this is the problem. Um, will they come? Yeah. Will Goldman Sachs decide, yeah, we're tired of DTC too. Oh, New York Stock Exchange, we're done with those guys. We're not, we're not going to mess with them anymore. Nah, forget it. We're just, we're just going to go over to this brand new thing that GameStop built. And But then the problem is that AMC builds their own thing. And, you know, like a lot of people on Twitter keep pointing back to T0, um, the, the um, overstock Right, you've seen this overstock issued a dividend that was an NFT. It was only tradable on blockchain, but it could only be traded on T Zero, which was their platform. And they did it, and this is these they made public statements that they did it in order to promote the usage of T Zero, their thing, their platform. So there's not one, you know, there's just already too many platforms out there for anyone to be able to say, yeah, this is the standard. Everybody's gonna it, all the all the Public companies are gonna, you know, get out of the, forget this NYSE and you know button wood button tree agreements or whatever. Who cares about those guys? We're all gonna do our thing with, and then the question is with who? Yeah, where? You know, and that's where that's where they're sitting right now. But really, all of this idea that you can, you know, you can walk try to walk away from DTC, but then you walk away from the exchanges and you walk away from the SEC. And now, who's going to buy that? So, would your exchange? So, say, right? Because, because, right, theoretically, okay, like any, if if you if we're talking about like just how how industries change and like make like massive like paradigm shifts and evolutions, right? Mm -hmm. I I don't find it a completely impossible suggestion that like some private company or someone will design an exchange in which it is easier for people to leave the DTCC and move to this new one rather than the DTCC like and, and the SEC and this uh, yeah massive like cumbersome like industry has to move into like a, a brand new way of, of like conducting their market and like basically like rebuild from the from the bottom up it'd be like You'd be like trying to renovate the basement like while you were still working in the rest of the building, except you were trying to take the basement out while you were doing it. <laughs> put the basement there, put in a new basement with, with like put the whole house up on jacks. Yeah. And then you you know, then you go in, you take the basement out, you stick the basement back in, then you set it back down and it's gonna keep on all the toilets and electronics and you know, electricity runs through there, power, sewage, it all continues to work yeah. the way it does. Yeah. before you jack the house up yeah, yeah. something like that yeah I, you know i mean you're absolutely right it's not it's not impossible i mean there are ways to get these things done however um the problem right now is getting everybody to go with you yeah so when i first started in the industry in 1985 i was with the federal reserve no 84 80 something <laughs> i was with the started at in securities processing at the Federal Reserve Bank in San Francisco, and I was at the Pacific Stock Exchange and the Depository Trust Company. So at the time that I got to the Pacific Stock Exchange, there were six or seven depository trust companies and clearing corporations throughout the US. And the one that I was with, the Pacific Clearing Corporation and the Pacific Depository Trust Company, the reason they closed was that there were economies of scale available so that New York was able to, um, uh, they could compete on price. They could just, no one could do it as cheaply as DTC because they were basically doing all of it, right? So at that time, it was uh, Merrill Lynch, I remember it very clearly, and maybe one or two other brokers went to the board of directors at the Pacific Stock Exchange and said, look, we don't want the 800-pound gorilla in charge of everything. Like you, we will, we will do whatever we can so that you can stay in business and compete with them. So that we we don't want this consolidation. They felt that it was oh, it was oh, 
overall is not in their uh, favor, that DTC becomes the only uh, gaming town. But the problem with that was that if Merrill Lynch owned the depository, then they might have access to see what Goldman Sachs was doing or Bank of America was doing because they would be, right? So they would be the owners and things. So, so there was that, that issue and several others. Um, and some, some mistakes were made. Even GAO went in after it was over and did a postmortem and they said this was a mistake. The finances that they attributed to the depository were in fact the fault of financial problems at the exchange, not at the depository. And they really should have kept it open because it was, make, it was making enough money to sort of pay for all the mistakes the exchange was making. Hmm. That's a huge story in and of itself. But what I'm trying to say is just that we had this decentralized system. And DTC in particular, uh, and NSCC as well, did not want it decentralized. They wanted to be the only game in town because then they could say, okay, here's how here's how it's going to be done. Yeah. A lot. Everybody does it this way. All of the electronic transmissions that you send to us are in this format, come on this date, have this uh, technology behind them. And sometimes that was very expensive for the broker dealers and the banks to conform to that. But eventually they had no choice. So in a sense, I guess what I'm trying to say just in the bottom line is that, no, it's not impossible to, uh, look, we did the, I was just talking with a friend of mine. We had uh, Bob Bell, AT&T, who had everything to do with telephones. That that was busted up, so we broke them up into the baby bells. And in some ways, parts of them came back together because there were efficiencies there. So it's not impossible that we had all of these little things and they all got pulled together into DTCC and that they get busted out again in some way. Um, I see the biggest obstacle really is, you know, if one issuer steps out on their own, they cannot expect every other issuer to follow them into their own blockchain platform, T0 Overstock. They didn't get all of the issuers to come in there and say, oh yeah, we're, we'll be on your platform, <laughs> right? Because you know, for a variety of reasons. But if there were, you know, some neutral third party, I don't know, to come along and say, build something, maybe they could get a lot, enough issuers, but just getting the um, critical weight, right? What's, what's the critical mass that has to leave DTC, NYSE, SEC, all like, what is the critical mass that has to leave there? Right now, because you have an SEC rule that says that you pretty much have to, you know, have nominees have beneficial ownership that you can't all have direct because that, that to me, isn't this the point and check me and check me on this. If I'm wrong, the point of going blockchain uh, for um, stocks and stock trade is that every individual has their own registration, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's about trans for me. It's, it's that. And it's about transparency because mm -hmm. like everyone can see the ledger like all the stuff that's going on that that GameStop were were like they were moving like Ethereum tokens around and there was like immutable X things being being moved around and like LRC tokens and like different NFTs and like we can see that all we can see every move that gets made and like in my very idealistic world I don't think I'm alone here but in my very idealistic world it's like this should be transparent and because especially when and you've kind of alluded to this as well. It's like a lot of the stuff that, that you sent me, the arguments that the, the the SEC and the DTC were making is basically about, it's about efficiency and it's about like, you know, uh, yeah, basically it's it's about market efficiency and, and reducing costs and keeping everything as, as cheap and fast and available as possible. And right. for me, transparency is part of that because you can't have the cheapest, fastest market when everything's operating in the shadows. So that that's that's why for me blockchain is is the the way that finance should theoretically work. And so, but would you would you Josh Hamilton want um, you know Chris Britt MD to know all of your shareholdings? Ah, but it wouldn't be theoretic. Wouldn't necessarily be linked to a name that you can see. Like we, okay. we, we know you could see account movements, everything's sort of a coded account. You could see the move from account one, two, seven, nine, whatever to account three, six, seven, something or other, but you could see movements. Yeah. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily need to see the identities, but you could so still see the, what was being moved around. 
So then we come up to the thing that everyone hopes blockchain will solve, and that is the fact that there the over allotment, which every issuer has agreed in writing that their underwriter can sell more shares than they then exist. Mm-hmm. They put that right up front. Here you go, sell all you want. I only need payment for the first million. If you sell two million, good on you. You know, so, like, so, so getting that- rid of that, getting rid of that would be great. What was that? So like I, I, I'm curious to get into some of the like, especially the the thing that you sent me um, from the from the SEC, um, the about the depository trust company rulemaking order about uh, the proposed rule changes for requests for withdrawal of certificates or yeah by issuers, uh, right. because for me, um, I was basically keen to get to figure out what the difference is between what the thing that they're like forbidding here essentially and what DRS is. Um, because, hang on, where's the note I got on it? Um, no, the difference, the main difference, that's the uh, 34-47978. Yeah, because there's a great quote that I've got here. 2003. If you, if you get to the uh, SEC SRO rulemaking, you get to DTC, and you go into 2003. Yeah, I've got it here. Withdrawal, and it's all there. And it basically says that um, the issuer cannot ask to uh for a withdrawal uh 2000 yes this it's is the this one. one yeah this, so, this came about because there were it said it says uh was recently a number of issuers of securities have independently requested that dtc withdraw from the depository all securities issued by them yes, right exactly generally exactly. they have advised dtc that they will not allow securities to be registered to these nominees yeah so right so and all of the comment letters on this are from all of the brokers listed in, you know, chapter 18, who <laughs> know that they have more shares uh, in customer accounts. Yeah, there's, there's some letters. You know, the numbers, here. if they add up all the customer accounts, that's more shares than they have. They all know that. And I wrote, I counted, I mean, there's some of them are just hard to get the names, but yeah. I would say of the two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, of the 12 companies listed in that table, um, you know, 10 of them, 10 or, you know, nine or 10 of them actually have sent in letters and said, uh, like, we just think certificates are a bad thing and you shouldn't allow anyone to get certificates issued in anything for anybody at any time. Yeah. Yeah, there's this really but weird thing that they, they said as well. That they like that. Where is it? It's like, oh yeah, in the opinion of the DTCC, these issuers have no legal or beneficial interest in the securities yeah. they're asking to be withdrawn. I was like, hang on a second. So we paid for them, like yeah. theoretically, we paid for them. And and say say you're like the the owner of the company and you own like most of the shares. Like the DTC are just being like. It's not your shares. Like we have them. They're in our vault. Like they are ours for eternity. So we're holding them for the Wall Street banks and brokers. And the Wall Street banks and brokers may be holding them for you. We don't know. We don't care. That's not our problem. We don't, that's not for us. All we know is all of our shares belong to all of our members. But DTC also knows that they have you know, these ledger shorts, they know because of the open positions, they used to call them fail to deliver, fail to receive, now they call them open positions, that they in fact have uh, more, they owe more shares to their members than they have to give them. And in turn, their members owe more shares to their retail customers than they have available to give to them. And unwinding, like just trying to get out of there, you know, means having to face that. Yeah, this is, and they're, they're really, it's just, this was the 2003, four and five, when everyone started shouting about, you know, naked short selling. And then I was th- talking about fails to deliver, risk building up the centralized system, the fact that there are more shares sold than there should be. And I would beg any anyone going public or anyone issuing a prospectus for new shares to take out that whole over allotment thing because you are you're just wrecking it for your investors i mean here are people who are paying x dollars uh you know to get a share of your company and in the meantime you're telling the broker oh just keep selling them but don't give us any of that money 
Well, if I'm, if I'm buying shares at an IPO, I want to give money to that company because I believe in their product, I believe in their future. I, th- I want to own a piece of that, whatever their future is. Um, I mean, I just, to me, I mean, I know why it's there. Uh, market makers, liquidity, blah, blah. But you've seen all of my arguments against all of that. Stuff. Yeah. I just don't see why they do that. But this whole idea that, so it is true that um, CD and Co has no ownership rights. I mean, the issuer has no ownership rights over the shares at CD, just like they have no ownership rights over the shares registered in mining. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, they they can't own it. I mean, I have a relationship with them. It's a financial fiduciary relationship with a company. They have to. Uh, not spend money willy-nilly on, you know, wallet-paneled offices because they have to be thinking about, you know, earning income that becomes dividends and payouts to me. So, so there, I do not see an argument for the issuer to say that we have ownership or legal or economic interest in the shares held at CD any more than I want them to say that they own the shares that I have because I bought that from them. I, I tried to make this analogy worked out pretty well between, uh, you know, if General Motors makes and sells cars, do they retain an economic interest in that car once they sell it to you? Someone said warranties. Well, that warranty is not about them taking the car back. Um, you give some ownership rights to a bank if you borrow money to buy the car, so the bank can come and get it from you. Um, someone could talk about recalls for repairs. That's mostly to forestall the, you know, the federal government uh, in the U.S. and I'm sure in other countries from saying, hey, this is unsafe. You've got to take all the cars back and fix them or baby cribs or whatever it is. So so this idea is that the company sold those shares to you, the public, in order to get money, capital to run their business. Once they sell it to you, they really don't have that economic interest in that share. But you have rights, and those rights vary by country. They're not the same in every country. For example, in the U.S., if you own common stock, you have no claim in bankruptcy. If you're the first in line in the U.S., I think is like your uh, creditors for if you you know you order. General Motors orders sheet metal and they owe money for the sheet metal. So that's first in line. Then somewhere down, then some of you keep coming down, coming down the benchers, but then the bondholders have claims. But the but the equity holders have no have no seat. Uh, but like in France, it's different. So in France, the the equity holders are somewhere above the bondholders. And the bondholders don't have those same rights to, at the bankruptcy tables they do in the US. So Country by country, that's going to differ when it comes down to who gets what piece. But if you buy one of a billion shares of GameStop, then you own one one billionth of their future stream of revenue. And if they had to liquidate that company, you would not be getting one one billionth of the value of whatever comes out because there's a whole load of people in line in front of you at bankruptcy court. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's better than you're also not held liable for their debts. Um, well, in 2003, DTC said the issuer can't ask to come out. Yeah. Although they also said that, you know, I, I'm not, I don't remember what year it was that, you know, uh, NASDAQ, uh, NYSE, and you know, American Stock Exchange, when they were around, all said you have to be DTC eligible and you have to be able to do direct withdrawals in order to be listed. But then it was in 2004 that they proposed 2005 that they approved the SEC rule that says that an issuer may not refuse to issue shares to a nominee. So if you want to take everything over to a blockchain exchange, you still have to let the nominees into play. Yeah. And it seems like um, the language that at least I was I was reading in there is that essentially they would not issue you the shares because hang on let me get their logic up here um, that they would not issue the shares because it they could not guarantee they couldn't they basically couldn't like you couldn't move the shares from the DTCC or sorry from the DTC because 
you can't guarantee who actually owns the shares according to the brokers. Um, and therefore, there was no way of being completely accurate with it. And therefore, you couldn't withdraw it, which I thought was 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 fantastic logic. Um, very yeah, nice of them to care so much. But it's like a it's like a little closer to the truth, isn't it? Because they know that they have four million shares that they owe to retail, and they've only got three million shares to spread around. In addition to which. They owe six million to DTC because they still owe, you know, another two million to the other broker who owes to his customers. So, and they know that this mess is under there. And I just don't, I mean, I just don't see how if we if it comes about that some company is able to get out. Uh, to just delist their stock, redeem all their shares, open something in, you know, or exchange everything for some blockchain, whatever. Um, the the centralized system we have now is not going to survive that because the money, and I don't, I don't have the exact numbers on at the top of my head, but it's it's on the order of ten times or even a hundred times. So the value of the um, uh, safety fund. So there's that clearing fund. I think we've talked about this before. The participants. So that they have. That's where uh, the margin call came last January, right? They said because you have to put money into the uh, clearing fund that protects us in the event that you can't meet your obligations. That whole fund is one tenth or one one hundredth. I've forgotten now of the value of all of the open positions. So if they have to close out the open positions, there is no way. They don't, they just don't have enough to do it. And that's basically why it took them 10 years to close out all of the Lehman brother obligations. Wow. Because it just wasn't there. Wow. Now maybe I've misunderstood, but I, I was, I was under the impression that that was insured by the fed. Uh, no, that's, it's not insurance. Right. So, um, no, it's not. There's not. I see a lot of that. Like people keep saying, "Well, what about this DTC is insured for something or other?" Like yeah, DTC sixty-three trillion is the number that does the rounds. <laughs> well, look at the. You know, you have to be a bit of a nerd and read all of the, the notes to the financial statements, and it'll tell you they have uh, director liability insurance and they have insurance on their properties and all that sort of thing. What backs them up in terms of the scenario we just described is that Dodd Frank made them a systemically important financial market utility, too big to fail. So if something goes wrong, the backup at the Fed is that, you know, the federal government is going is going to back them up because, oh my goodness, like we let this risk rise to this level and oh my, like like we're in 2008, it was, oh my, if we let AIG fail, then everyone's pension fund will be lost. And, um, but we, you know, everything saw the world before, we have to bail them out. Mm-hmm. And so we gave trillions of dollars to, you know, Harley Davidson and, you know, France and Germany and Italy and everybody else got money from us. Why? Because if we let them fail, it would just be so disastrous, you know, for us. Um, But yet here we are again, and it's not getting any better. I think the tweet I put out was something like, you know, from bad to worse. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But it's all it's all in the notes to their financial statements that they have. But it's buried in the um, it's buried in the uh, it's called um, if you search NSCC's financial statements for the word open positions, and then search for the word um, clearing fund, that's where you'll see uh, that the clearing fund is a fraction of what the open positions are. And it's been that way for a really long time. Well, I'm going to look this up after. Um, so yeah, I, don't, I don't have it in front of me. I, I had tweeted it out, but um, I don't, and I don't have it in front of me, but it's just, it's depressing. <laughs> yeah, that is a little depressing. Um, but more positively, the one thing that I took from, from this, uh, from this one that we've been discussing here, the uh, 2004, um, release number 34-47 thing. 
Um, yeah, so it says that if beneficial owners believe, so this was in response basically to the, the letters in argument that it would, if they passed this rule, it would continue to facilitate um, illegal short selling. And seven people actually wrote letters describing how it aided and abetted illegal short selling, which I thought was very blunt and very ballsy <laughs> of them to include just being like, so um, we've been accused that this might be helping some really illegal activities, but don't worry about that. Just, just don't worry about it. Yeah, don't look behind the curtain. Yeah. There's nothing to see. Nothing yeah. to see back there. No. But yeah, so then they said, um, if beneficial owners believe that their interests are best protected by not having their shares subject to book entry transfer at DTC, then they can uh, instruct their broker dealer to execute a withdrawal by transfer, which will remove the securities from the DTC and transfer them to the shareholder in certificated form. Is that, that, that just sounds like DRS to me, but I, I'm, yes. I'm not sure. Is that essentially what's happening? Is that is that the D, is that DRS is. that they're describing? So, so at the time that they that all this when they were circling the wagons, it was all about their argument was always about certificates, certificates, certificates. Like we don't want them out there; they cause too much trouble, they get lost, whatever. So, like that that certainly was certificates were the the issue at that point. And so once the once once I you know established DWAC. A, a direct withdrawal at custodian where the broker sends an instruction to DTC, DTC sends it to computer share, computer share opens an account for whatever, Suzanne Trinbath, and then your shares are out. Uh, once that was established and then the transfer agents and issuers just ran with it and they said, we're going to get, you know, the more of this we have, the less we have to deal with DTC as the 800 pound gorilla in the room, right? So it, it really was like all of their arguments were focused around certificates. But if you'll notice when the rule came out, it actually said all securities issued by those companies. It wasn't just about certificates. So they were anticipating that already. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, they'd be they'd be really stupid not to. Like, I, I, I think they really saw what, what was coming in terms of like high frequency trading and um, yeah, just technology taking over um, finance. Because when, when did they go? The bad to worse uh, year in 2007, NSCC had a clearing fund. That's the, the the money that they would use in the event that you know Robinhood couldn't fulfill their obligations. 4.9 billion in the clearing fund, 7.5 billion of positions, about 50%. Right, was covered. Year in 2021, they had 26.2 billion in the clearing fund and 185 billion in open positions. Whoa, that is quite that's, that's a that's a ridiculous amount of growth. Seven times. So the open positions were seven times what they had in the backup. And prior to comments that that I put out to the SEC on some proposals in like 2003 and four, they didn't even include. Um, they had a, there's a formula that they use to figure out how much each participant has to put in that fund. They did not include the fails to deliver in that. So wow. that's, that's why it just kept getting bigger and bigger. So right now they have, you know, 14% or something, but even a broker is required to keep 25% as like a, a you know, a cash capital backup, yeah. right? So how they're getting away with, you know, seven times. So the, value of what they'd have to cover in the event that it all falls apart, um, you know, is seven times what they have to, to cover it with. There, there is no, to my knowledge, like, uh, like if you have a broker account, you have SIPIC, but SIPIC did not pay anybody who got money from Bernie Madoff. They went after the people who had withdrawn funds from Bernie Madoff and said, what? those are not really like your money, we want that money back to pay the people that didn't get anything. So there was this whole question of whether or not SIPIC really protects you at the broker. FDIC is pretty good if you put your money in a bank uh, up to a certain limit and the bank fails, uh, even by fraud, uh, which they, they the FDIC was still covered because that's real insurance. Um, you know, but I don't know that there's this, the insurance that they have is really just the assurance that they're too big to fail and that the federal government will uh, will come after them, will come and support them. And as far as the Federal Reserve Bank being that um, that backstop for them, 
that the, what the Federal Reserve Bank did to backstop like AIG, credit default trusts, all that in 2008, that was actually, like it had to be made legal the night before they did it. It wasn't really legal for them to do, like they're not supposed to give money, for example, to uh, companies. Like they're just all about banks. They're not really about giving money to companies, but they did through the treasury. Like they worked with treasury. Another thing that they weren't supposed to do that they somehow managed to get done because of these emergency uh, rulings that they got. So, th so there really isn't, that really isn't there, that business about the Federal Reserve having some insurance policy. I don't, not to the best of my knowledge, unless something's happened uh, that I didn't see, I don't know that they have any type of insurance to cover this problem. Mm. So it's more just like theoretical, too big to fail money. Um... Well, I mean, I see it that way. And then also there's this movement towards um, making them quasi-government. So the latest uh, rule, proposed rule that came out about the SEC being able to appoint boards of directors, not appoint but it's boards of directors, to um, require a certain number of independent directors at SROs, at DTC, stock exchange, et cetera. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling that that's like the... the that it's it is an independent and private body like that still blows my mind like yeah. <laughs> for for people that are that, that don't realize this who are listening right and i'm sure most of the people who are listening to this are already very aware um thanks to a lot of the stuff that's been written but like the dtcc and the dtc and the dtc and the nscc are not like a government body at all it's and, and correct me if i'm wrong they're basically made up of all of the people that they are regulating right yeah yes. Like <laughs> their own mind, their own mind, their board of directors is composed of the people who use their services. That's the definition of self-regulation. New York Stock Exchange is the same way. American Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, all of the OTC, um, not OTC, the uh, OCC, right? The, the, the um, derivatives markets, they're all self-regulatory, which means that <laughs> the people who you know, trade are regulating trades which is just, you know, it's like, trust, boy. just trust, <laughs> trust me, bro, trust me, bro, governance. Like it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I've taken up a lot of your time here. So I want to get one last, uh, quick question in basically is, um, there, there's been like a lot of discussion online about whether DRSing shares, uh, removes them from the ability to, to be used for a share locate. Okay. Are you able to like do? Are do you know the the answer to, I to this? I can tell you absolutely positively okay. that once you DRS your share, that share is no longer CD and Co had just like the issuer has no claim on the shares of CD and Co. CD and Co has no claim on your shares. No broker does. No broker can loc like when you say locate shares, you're talking about for lending, right? I mean, anybody can figure out where shares are the. I can Google right now and go to Yahoo Finance and they'll tell me what percentage are with what, you know, uh, fidelity or whatever. Um, but no, once you've directly registered the shares, it is registered in your name like your car is, right? So your car is registered in your name. Uh, unless you signed up for one of those services where like car sharing or something, you know, and people can locate your car and then come borrow it. There's there's services that do that. I forgot the name of it. Uh, no, that share is in your name. It's like your house or your car, whatever else it is, you own it and, and no one else can do things to it or do things with it. Um, I don't know where this idea came from. There's, there was one, um, I won't say the name, but there was, someone has a, like, you know, a podcast and they wanted me to come on. Yes, and, I was watching and, it. <laughs> I was watching and, it unfold. So, and I just said, and people were like, why don't you answer the question? Why don't you? I said, I answered the question. They reworded it, asked it again. It's the same question. And then finally, they just changed the subject to steer the conversation, my conversation, in another direction. So, it, so I used, I used TDDA, TD semicolon DA, like TD semicolon or two, TL semicolon DR means too long, didn't read. Yeah. TD semicolon DA means too dumb, didn't answer. <laughs> I'm telling oh, you, it's in DRS, then it's in FAST, and that means it's still a CD. No, DRS, like CD and FAST enable DRS. You have to have, that has to be there, present. That's why the stock exchanges are required, so that we can direct withdraw. So, and, but that means it's 
directly registered in my name. It has nothing more to do with them. Yeah, it comes out of there, but I don't know. They're trying to say that because it came from there that they still have some claim to it. But that's like saying that General Motors can uh, stop by and pick up my car at any time. It's absurd. It's just absurd. Okay. So that's why it's TDDA. TDDA. Well, <laughs> that's that cleared up. So, uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Turnbath, I really want to thank you for your time. Um, you've yeah cleared up many, many things uh, as you did the last time. It's a pleasure talking with you. And I, I let's, you know, I'll be honest with everybody. I told you 30 minutes. We talked. Maybe she'll come back. Maybe I'll edit this out. Maybe I'll just leave this bit in where I'm just sat here waiting by myself. Uh, I, we got right up to, we were only going to talk for 30 minutes and then it cut out. And I was like, oh, well, that's a abrupt way to end the conversation. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no, so I was just going to say, I just say, I really enjoy talking with you. Such a pleasure. We were only going to talk for 30 minutes and here we've gone an hour, or, you know, almost an hour. And I, I just enjoy talking with you because you, you know, you're, you listen to things and you ask good questions and you let me give full answers. And I do appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, I've got someone who's very knowledgeable here. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to let them finish. That would be, that would be absurd. <laughs> uh, it has happened. So, <laughs> well, um, anyway, your book, uh, Naked, Short and Greedy, I will put the link in the description for everyone and uh, links to all the different uh, regulations and things that we discussed as well. Good. Um, and, and you'll make the link to Spiramis for us instead of Amazon, right? Yes, of course. To the publisher's website. Yeah, thanks. I think I've got the same. I think I've still got the one from last time. I can just uh, paste it in. Um, so, yeah. Oh, and also, um, if you, uh, you know, that uh, um, the 2004 thing about you can't, insurance can't ask for withdrawals, read Larry Thompson's reply letter. Larry Thompson. Comments. Yeah, Larry Thompson. Uh, he says, um, uh, he says, attempts by issuers to continue to exercise control over shares that have been sold to the public is improper and may well constitute conversion. Like he's really trying to throw the fear of God into the issue. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I read that comment. That was brilliant. He's, oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Some of the <laughs> comments were brilliant. Um, it was a really funny read. Like a, when I started reading, my brain was like, okay, am I going to be able to get into the financy language? But then it was fine. Um, it was a bit sort of wordy, but it's it's all right. You can get through it. It was. It's not that bad. And there are also um, individuals who just posted and said, you know, DTC, you're, you know, you're just a horrible place and we want to get away from you. So please leave us alone. <laughs> so some of them were kind of fun. Oh, that is funny. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Um, so yes, anyway, I will let you get on with your day. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks again for coming on the show. You're welcome. We'll do it again soon. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. If you want to leave us a comment, that would be awesome. Please like, share, subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple, please leave us a review. Until next time, thanks for listening.